Morning, church. I must tell you, this is the first time in my 48 years of being a Christian that I got to be able to uh, stand before you and deliver a message in the morning. I hope this won't be the last time. <laughs> so at that, I want to thank Mitch Brown and the elders for giving me that chance to do that. Today we're going to be talking about the military, the earthly armor and the earthly military, and the panoply of God. I know some of you sitting in the audience, we just sang that song, where you're probably saying, what is a panoply? Pick up your hymn books again and turn to song 585. We're going to look at the third and the fifth verse. Stand then in his great might, with all his strength endued, but take to arm you for the fight, the panoply of God. Panoply is the Greek for whole armor. The fifth verse, that having all things done and all your conflicts passed, you may come through Christ alone and stand entire at last. That entire means complete. Now, I say good morning to the midshipmen and all other people that, military people that may be here today, whether you're retired or you're on active duty. We thank you for the, your services to this country. And I want you to know, as Paul says in Philippians, I thank my, <clears throat> excuse me, I thank my God in all my remembrances of you, always in every prayer of mine. For I hold you in my heart. I have the greatest respect for, the, for all the persons who serve in the military and keep our country safe. Now we're going to look at a few stories today. And we'll, these stories will show you how if you follow God's instructions to the law, letter, he will make you a winner. Don't you want to be a winner? And don't you want to enlist in that heavenly military, that army that puts on his armor and fights the battles that he will help us to win? Turn to Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 8. This story is about one of the judges of Israel, Gideon. The Lord said to Gideon, the people that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel vaunt or boast, that's what vaunt means, against me and say that they got the victory instead of giving the Lord the credit. They would say, my own hand has delivered me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful or trembling, let him return to his home. And Gideon tested them. 22,000 returned to their homes, and 10,000 remained. That is a lot to be returning that feared and trembled of what may happen to them. And the Lord said to Gideon, 
the people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And he whom I say to you, this man shall go with you, shall go with you. And any whom I say to you, this man shall not go with you, shall not go with you. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps shall you set by himself. Likewise, every man who kneels down to drink, and the number of those that lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. So we were reduced from approximately 33,000 down to 300. Verse 7, and the, and the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will deliver you and give the Midianites into your hand. And let the others go, every man to his home. So we can see from this story that if we follow God's instructions to the law, to the letters, he will protect us and make us a winner. Amen. Turn to Judges chapter 4, verses 6 through 24. This is about a woman judge and a lady who was a woman of God. She, Deborah, sent and summoned Baruch, the son of Abinoash, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Does not the Lord of God of Israel command you, Go, gather your men at Mount, at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulon. And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you at the river, Kishon, with his chariots and troops, and I will give him into your hand. But Baruch, as we can see, Baruch said to Deborah, if you will go with me, I will go. If you will not go with me, I will not go. We realize there that Baruch said this because he wanted Deborah to go, but he also realized that Deborah was not only a judge, she was a woman of God. Then Deborah said, Nevertheless, the road to, your, to you and to your glory for the Lord will sell Sisera not into your hands, but he's going to sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. The woman the Lord had chosen to kill Sisera, the general of the army fighting against Israel, was named Jael. She killed him by driving a tent peg through his temple and into the ground while he slept. I'm telling you, he must have been a hard sleeping person. <laughs> now, let me interject here for the women who serve in the military, who have served, and who do serve in the military today. 
I know about some of the challenges that you face because of two people. One, my sister. She served in the Air Force, retired from the Air Force, and we used to talk hours about the challenges that women faced as they worked their way through the ranks to come from enlisted to officers. And also, a dear friend of mine who's special to me, retired from military, lady who I used to also talk with and understand more about the challenges that women in the military faced. And let me just say, I'm proud of you. I've learned a lot about the challenges that you face, and I love you for what you do, and I have the greatest respect for these women who do serve in the military. Also, just a sidebar, um, my sister was serving in the military. In the, most of the older, younger people here would not know that, understand this, but she served in the military and was in the Air Force and was on high alert during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now let us look at the story of Cornelius. We all read the book of Acts and we learn about Cornelius. Turn to Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a devout man named Cornelius who knew all about the earthly armor, for he was a centurion, a commander over a large group of soldiers who were of the Italian band. He was a devout man who feared God along with his household. He also gave alms liberally to the people and prayed constantly to God. What did the earthly armor that uh, Cornelius and his men uh, wore, what did it consist of? It consisted of a helmet, a breastplate to protect their heart and other vital organs, a belt around their waist in order to help them carry their uh, weapons, and boots to protect their feet. Also, they carried a shield to protect themselves from the fiery darts or arrows fired against them. Let me just explain. The opposing armies would take arrows, they would light the tips of them and shoot them, and if they hit the shield and the shield was not wet, it could start a fire and damage the person who had the shield. So most of the shield, people that carried the shields, they would keep them wet so when the arrows hit them, the arrows would flame out. They also had a sword, sword which enabled them to defend themselves. But this sword was nowhere, understand me, nowhere as sharp as the sword of the spirit, the word of God, which we carry as Christians to defend ourselves, not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of darkness, such as Satan and his evil ways. The sword of the spirit can cut deep, and it can cut to the marrow, and that's marrow's inside your bones. Now today, the armor that most of the military uses when they go out on the field of battle is a Mae West helmet, a flat, flat jacket, and 
a piece of body armor that will cover the lower part of their thighs and legs. So the legs and thighs won't get damaged, the heart won't get damaged from the uh, flak jacket, and also they wear reinforced boots. Now, back to Cornelius. Cornelius realized that he was missing something. What was he missing? He was missing the heavily armor. He had the earthly armor, but we see that he realized he was missing that, and this is where Peter came into play. Look at verse 3 in Acts chapter 10. About the ninth hour of the day, Cornelius saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And the angel said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. I won't go into all the details about this with this story. You can go home and turn to Acts chapter 10 and read the whole story and get a better understanding of what we're talking about here. We know that Peter also had a vision. Go to verse 19. Peter, while pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. What is it that you, what is the reason that you came here? Go to verse 22. And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the Jewish nation, was directed by an holy angel to send for you to come to his house because he wants to hear what you have to say. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I too am a man. Go to verse 29. So when I was sent for, this is Peter speaking, I came without objection. Then I asked, why did you send for me? Go to verse 34. And Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Remember, that's what it says. You have to do what's right in order to be accepted by the Lord. We know from this story that Peter taught him and his household the word of God and what they must do to be saved and gain that right to put on God's armor 
and become a soldier in God's, in God's army. Then Peter declared, Can anyone forbid water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We see from these Bible verses that Cornelius and those baptized with him now not only have the right to to put on the earthly armor, but they also have the uh, right to put on the heavenly armor and fight against not flesh and blood, but the principalities of Satan and his dark kingdom. Okay. Finally, let us look at what Paul says in one of his many instructions to us as Christians. And then we're going to look at pieces of the heavenly armor. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So if you've done what's right, when that day comes, you will be able to put on that heavenly armor and you will receive your crown of righteousness. Amen. Now let's look at a few things quickly that will prepare us as Christians to win. The, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ephesians verses, chapter 6, verse 10. One great factor stands out in this passage. That is the strength of being in the Lord and in the power or strength of his might. Any child of God who relies on his own strength to live will soon be lost in the kingdom of darkness. Paul continues to write, Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil days. And having done all, you will still be able to stand. Paul tells us that there is a way that we can prepare ourselves to win. You want to know what that is? He tells us that we are to have our loins girded with truth. That girding of the loins is the symbol of strength and is often used in the Bible. But we must gird our loins as Christians with the truth of God's word. This is the Christian strength, and if we are thus prepared, we will win. Paul tells us if we want to win, we must put on 
the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate that can ward off the fiery darts of Satan. This righteousness in which we walk is found in the commands of the Lord. When Christians live soberly, godly, and righteously in this life, they will win. Our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The primary thought here is being prepared. And this preparedness is against the works of the devil, which is due to the gospel. The Christian who is prepared and who knows the peace and confidence of the gospel will win. That true? Yes, indeed. We must take up our shield of faith. Faith is unstaggering, unwavering confidence and trust in God. And this faith is what will help us to win. Our head must be covered with the helmet of salvation. Through Christ, we can have salvation. You get that? Through Christ, nobody else. And with this hope, we can hold up our head with joy and win. And finally, to prepare to win, we must take up the sword of the spirit, the word of God, which is our offensive weapon by which we can attack all wickedness. All Christians, not some, but all, need to wield the sword that can make them win. Now, let me just say to you, in closing, now that you've heard about the few about, the, about how God can make you a winner and how we as Christians must put on the whole armor of God in order to equip ourselves to deal with, a, with Satan and his ways. There may be one here today, this morning, who has decided that they would like to join God's army and put on the whole armor of God. If so, you must obey the one true gospel. Not all these other things that we hear about out in the world, but obey the one true gospel by believing what is written in God's word. That Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, that's found in John 8:24. You have decided you want to repent of your sins. Acts 17.30. You are ready to confess before these many people here in this audience that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. Romans 10.9 and 10. And you are ready to be baptized or buried with Christ and Arise and become a new creature in Christ. Romans 6, 3, and 4. And at that time, after your baptism, you will be added to the one true church. 
Acts 2.41. Or there may be one Christian here this morning who has turned his back on Christ, ripped off his heavenly armor, and gone back into the world of sin. And if you want to be restored to the body of Christ, or whatever your needs may be, ask that you come forward as we stand and sing the song that has been selected for your encouragement.